Welcome to Puck It, We'll Do It Live, our pre-recorded Minnesota Twins podcast. It is Friday, April 17th. Zach Pierce here, the managing editor of The Athletic Minnesota, joined, as always, by our excellent Twins beat writer who is still trying to cover a beat with no games. God bless him. Dan Hayes, how you doing? Hey, I mean, I got Aaron's games to uh, to cover. That's true. Shred. That's true. But otherwise, I'm doing good. How are you doing, Zach? Uh, I'm I'm doing well. I'm also on uh, toddler duty whenever she wakes up from her nap. So, um, oh, shit. She just moved her head. I think, all right, we better get to it here. Uh, <laughs> we continue to wait for baseball, obviously, and, and everything else uh, to somewhat return to normal in this uh, crazy world right now. But the Twins are uh, at least making some players occasionally available for some check-in conversations. Uh, I feel like they kind of all have a similar tune to them. But um, last week, Dan, you were able to talk to uh, Josh Donaldson and Mitch Garver, right? Yeah, and uh, it was a good conversation. And, and Mitch Garver made a move that I'm not surprised at all that he uh, that he did choose to do. He, he um, I reached out to him probably three weeks ago when he was in Albuquerque and he was lamenting the fact that, uh, you know, he'd gone home and he was totally unprepared just because, um, all the facilities and it's something that a lot of players across the the country are facing right now. And I mean, there are far worse issues than, than, uh, what those guys are dealing with, but they were obviously running into facilities that are closed and unavailable. And so Garver had very little equipment at home had no real real place to hit and uh two weeks ago or so he opted i think it was after his april one lease started in minneapolis to move up and uh, he and his wife and their dogs came up and now he's got the ability to he took a bunch of equipment from the target field home with him workout equipment and he's hitting with max kepler every day and uh you know able to social distancing when they do that do we know Uh, (laughs) I hope so, but it doesn't really make a difference if they uh, don't change the ball out every time, though, too, right? That's true. Based, yeah. So, so, um, but I believe they are social distancing, like high-fiving from afar and, you know, that kind of stuff. So. Okay. But, yeah, Garver, uh, Garver opted to switch so he could work out and get back into shape. And that's where I think a lot of guys are right now is just that they're trying to get to this place where they can keep working just to maintain in case baseball comes back. And, you know, like we were talking about before the air, uh, there are glimmers of hope in that regard. Um, We've seen some stories leak out, you know, recently about Arizona and Florida and all those possibilities. And we can talk more about that in a minute, but at least the possibility exists that baseball's going to start. They're playing in Taiwan, which is awesome um, with these uh, mannequins in the crowd and, um, it's, uh, those are good signs for the potential for a, start, a season starting up. Yeah. And, and on that topic, it, uh, we, we have seen, I think just in the last 24, 48 hours, some, um, I guess, slightly encouraging signs from the sports world about, uh, optimism around the potential to restart seasons. I was reading a story today on the athletic by Sam, Sam Amick about, uh, the NBA hoping to be able to get, uh, some sort of similar plan to what baseball is, is throwing around, which is basically creating a sort of a bubble city or, or, you know, quarantine theme park, if you will, where all the uh, teams can come and, and uh, sort of sequester themselves from the rest of the 
the world and, and hopefully uh, stay healthy and, and play out a season. But there's a big difference between NBA and NHL trying to do this and baseball trying to do this. And that's that NBA and NBA and NHL, excuse me, only have about a month left in their seasons. They also don't necessarily have the uh, kind of back end weather issues that baseball will have if they try to go into uh, any, any later than the, in the calendar than they already do. So I just, it still seems far fetched. The players, when they were talking about it in your story last week, Dan seemed open to the possibilities, but Definitely there are a ton of obstacles to clear about how you could ask guys to go somewhere and just be away from family, friends, and just their normal life, whatever that is at this point, for four to five months. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they did some kind of shortened season, um, anything like that. Also, you know, a paycheck is a very uh, enticing thing for players right now. Um, You know, we're seeing unemployment numbers across the United States go up. Well, baseball players... They make a lot of money, but I'm guessing a lot of them spend a lot of money too and probably have some pretty big house payments coming due and all that kind of stuff. So it wouldn't shock me if guys really wanted to get out there. I mean, Jake Odorizzi uh, is, was due to make $17 million this year, and I'm going to guess. I haven't looked at his career edition or his career money, but I'm guessing that in his entire career he had made less than that combined, and you you think about that and it's a pretty big uh factor to to go out and play for um i think they want to get going they just want to do what they're do what they're they're born to do by the way jake odorizzi 17.8 million this season his career earnings to date according to baseball reference actually is 39 million including that so he has made that kind of money but the point being guys want to do what they're you know they're they're like all of us who are at home, bored, and um, trying to stay busy and do what they can. And, you know, unlike a lot of regular people, their career spans are so short. You know, their careers are over at age 35, that kind of thing. So you only have a limited amount of time to do it. I'm, I'm guessing Nelson Cruz and Rich Hill really want to get back on the field right now, um, both being 40 this season and limited time left. So I think there's a lot of drive. And if – the bulk of the players are on board. I think everybody's just going to get on board. Um, I, I've talked to people around the game. But, you know, it's funny. I've, I've talked to some people who also think that uh, if they do this, there's still a chance it would be local and that teams would just play at home. Um, you know, I don't know that the Florida plan has been discussed uh, in great detail. Um, Arizona is far more likely than than doing part Arizona, part Florida, I think. Um, Florida would be such a mess. I, I was just, you know, what do you do if you're playing um, in Port St. Lucie, which is a two-hour and 45-minute drive each way? Don't you have to get a hotel if you're the, the Twins and, and play a series there against the Mets? Or it, It's just a – I don't think Florida works nearly as well as Arizona would. Um, and Arizona obviously has a ton of obstacles, so – it wouldn't surprise me if local came into this, and then when you're talking about local, where where are the neutral fields that everybody converges on once uh, the weather does change? I mean, it's it's going to have to be a short season with the postseason probably all in domes or neutral weather spots, something like that. And no fans, presumably. And have they even got to, to the media portion of it? Will you get to go? No, they have not gotten to that, and... Nothing would surprise me. I wouldn't be surprised if we did 
pre and post game from uh, from our couches on Zoom, something like that. Mm. And uh, honestly, I'm guessing the media is an afterthought when you just want to get the games on. Oh, for sure. But, um, yeah, and that's fine. I mean, honestly, I I wouldn't want to be the you know if 300 of us are thrown into Arizona to go cover. Um, that's 300 more bodies to monitor. Yep. And uh, that sounds like just adding on a, a possibility that's difficult. Um, it's it's all up in the air at this point. I don't think anybody knows what to expect. And, and Jason Stark said it the other day on Twitter, the official said, whenever you see something, nobody truly knows what the hell is going on right now. Right. It's going to be another 10 days, two weeks before. I mean, things could be drastically different in 10 days to two weeks um, with people getting healthier or or, or whatever. Um it's it's all up in the air. Yeah, I was thinking about how what was it four five weeks ago that we were just um, stunned that they would outright cancel the NCAA tournament, and now you look back at that and go, yeah, that was kind of necessary to do. Yeah. So things do change in a hurry, one way or the other. So who knows what we'll be saying about this come May or June? But uh, just uh, crazy timing for the twins who really pushed the chips in the middle to go all in for this season and are just now hoping there is, is even a season to play to uh to try to take advantage of of this good momentum they had going but obviously that's uh very far down the priority list once again we hope everybody listening is uh is staying safe and staying sane through all this uh, all the best to all of you and thank you to everyone who's still listening and reading on the athletic uh we still have a pretty good chunk of people engaged with our stuff. We're trying to come up with whatever we can to keep you entertained, trying to give you a little bit of, uh, of updates when we can on what's going on on the field, but also some uh, entertaining stuff off of it. And one such article we just published uh, on Thursday, which was our Minnesota Twins fan survey. We asked you 20 questions uh, last weekend. We published that and ran the voting into Tuesday. And then Dan... Uh, published the results on Thursday with uh, some commentary on uh, each of your questions. So we'll go through them here. But first, Dan, was there any uh, any big takeaways that jumped out at you from our, our fan survey? Yeah, um, all of the, the the negative comments, which, you know, I mean, they jump up and they seem to be loud on, uh, on stories. Apparently, that accounts for about 3% of our audience just being louder than the other 97% because, and, and we always know that you never get the good comments, right? You never hear well done or you do a little bit, but not a ton. Uh, you never, that you don't hear about the team going great too often. Uh, fans are limited and, and it's always the negative ones that stand out the most. And I mean, man, I think if you look back at, uh, story I wrote right around New Year or maybe early in the New Year about how the twins were kind of flipping uh, their potential plans um, and looking into Josh Donaldson and <laughs> people just went crazy on the comments like this is crap and what they're not after a number one starter and and it was overwhelming well apparently apparently those loud voices account for about three percent of the audience <laughs> based off of a the uh, satisfaction with the direction of the team and uh, and everything that would point towards their off-season grade and all that stuff, um, that was a little surprising because, man, there's a vocal, vocal uh, 
group with that was not um, not shy about voicing its discontent um, early on, and and they they apparently didn't take this survey at all. That was one of the sweeter vindications I've ever seen. I think in this business when you floated the idea that they look after they'd go after Donaldson. Everybody accused you of. Um, publishing team PR on their behalf just yes. to take the attention away from their failed attempts at getting a starter. And then they signed Josh Donaldson. So that worked out well, I would say. Um, uh, we'll, we'll leave you alone, commenters who, who didn't like that story. But um, it, it did really well for us, aside from the negative comments, that story. So well done. Anyway, back to the survey. Um, a lot of pretty basic questions in here with answers that I don't think are entirely surprising, but some, some interesting ones. The first one was, when did you become a Twins fan? And um, for the most part, the answer was the World Series era. 41.2% of you uh, said that for the win. And then number two was the Eminem boys era, Mauer and Morneau, 29.7. 23.9 go all the way back to when the team first arrived or slash the early years, which is a pretty large swath of time, but um, pretty good spread, I would say, of, of older fans and younger, Dan. Yeah, it is. and um, No surprise that the uh, Maurer and Morneau era drew in some, you know, nearly a third of the fans um, that took this survey just because that is a prominent era. I mean, you know, you're talking about the World Series, and we're going back 33 years and and – 29 years for the two titles um you know that's clearly when when teams do well the bandwagons get huge and you retain a lot of those fans and it's not necessarily even that they're bandwagon i mean come on some a lot of kids are just growing up then and man i i wasn't in the twin cities uh, i was in california but um the homer hankies and the dome with the uh, the big baggie in uh, right field they uh that that stuff stands out as prominent to me, and I can see why that era, especially Kirby Puckett and uh, Herbeck and you know Gaetti, like some some great names from that time. Um, it, this this franchise is a lot better uh, when you really pay attention to what they. I mean, they had some down times, especially recently, but uh, there's a lot of great history for a, a team that uh, is way up at the top of the uh, United States that. Nobody uh, gives enough credit to, I think. The uh, second question was, how many games do you watch in a typical season? And I have never seen such an even spread yeah. in a pie chart before. Every answer was between 21.5% and 28.3%. One was exactly, or four possible options. One was exactly 25%. One was 252 Um but not really much to take away here because of how even it was, but slightly more than half of you said you watch uh, half or more of the games, yeah. which I guess, uh, I don't know. I don't know if you mean, we should have maybe specified if we mean in their entirety <laughs> or not, but um, not surprising, I guess, that uh, people who would pay for Twins content are, are, are more often than not the type to sit through uh, more than 80 baseball games in a year. Yeah, it's a... It's a uh, investment for sure, and uh, I, I think it, it tells you a lot about our readers and, and how invested they are in their sports. Not a whole lot uh, of, of surprise. And the next question, how many games do you attend in a typical season? The vast majority said one to five, which makes a ton of sense. 11.5% said none, which uh, shows, I guess, probably mostly how many readers we have that are not 
uh, able to attend, maybe don't live close to the stadiums or whatever, um, yeah. or maybe just don't want to spend the money. But um, from there, we had what's the Twins' biggest need on the field, and it was uh, far and away starting pitching is what you want to see. Yeah, number one starter, 59%. Um, not surprised at all to uh, see that as the response. And better rotation got 34.8%. Uh, people are sleeping on this rotation a little bit, though. <laughs> I, I, I'm not saying that it's elite, but it's top six or seven, and that's pretty good. I get it. People want to be number one or number two, but you don't have the money that the Yankees do or the Red Sox do or the Dodgers do. So you're going to be hard-pressed to be number one or number two unless you develop an ace right away. And, uh, I mean, this team had two All-Stars last year in, in Odorizzi and Burrios. They added Rich Hill, who, if he's healthy, is um, pretty amazing over the last five or six years. Michael Pineda was the best pitcher on the team when he got suspended. Um, so there is a lot of upside to the rotation in general. And it's definitely a rotation. And, and you traded for Kenton Maeda, um, or Maeda, you know, Homer Bailey is on the rotation too. I mean, you're looking at a pretty – Randy Dobnak had a, a good spring going. Um, you have some depth there. I think this, this group, when, when you're looking at Randy Dobnak as your sixth or your seventh option, is pretty good overall. So, But I do get it. You want a number one starter, that's fair. There's like eight of them in the game though. That's true. There's only so many that are really going to make that kind of a difference. Um, if the Twins were to trade for said number one starter, who would you be most willing to give up? I thought this was one of uh, the most interesting questions you had, Dan. And the options you gave people were Byron Buxton, Royce Lewis, or Alex Kirilov. And it was basically a tie between Lewis and Kirilov, 37.8% for Lewis, 376 for Kirilov, with Buxton getting a little under 25%. So... Uh, people would rather give up the unknown quantity, the prospect, than uh, the the known quantity, but the often injured quantity of Byron Buxton. Yeah, and and I would probably myself lean Lewis only because it seems like your middle infield's pretty set with Polanco and Luis Arez. Um and but that's the only. I mean, I think both Lewis and Kirloff are extremely good, talented players that will be here and make an impact. Uh, pretty soon, but um, the fact that those two were close does not surprise me at all. It's it's a really tough prospect, and again, uh, there are so few of those number ones that are actually traded. When uh, I think the last one, one of the last ones that got traded was was Darvish. Um, that was seventeen. I, I I know there's more that have been traded since, but when Justin Verlander got traded. He was sort of having a down year at the time. He was not great. It, it's not like a number one was being traded at that time. And I, you know, it just doesn't happen very often where number one pitchers get traded. So um, if you can make that deal, you make it. And I think the Twins would if they can. But it, it's so hard to find it. And yeah, Verlander at the time that he got traded, um, he was 10 and 8 with Detroit with a 382 ERA. And. You know, his 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 fielding independent pitching didn't suggest he was much better. In fact, he had a 407 at the time. The only thing he had going for him was he was striking out more than uh, nine batters per nine innings. But Houston really lucked out, and they got him, and he went 5-0 and with them with a 106 ERA and then was good in the postseason. 
Um, that doesn't happen all the time. I mean, you're, they were making a gamble that the 34-year-old that they were acquiring for a month would be would be better than he had been, and it's it's really hard to get that that pitcher. I'm gonna skip a few of these here. If you want to see the full um, 20 question survey results, it's like I said, it's up on the Athletic right now. Uh, Dan wrote it on the Twins page, on the Minnesota page, or in your Twins feed in the app. Um, Skipping down to, how do you think Miguel Sano will do at first base? Um, an overwhelming amount of people uh, think he will do around average, eighty-six point one percent. So uh, let's all hope for that. Very few of you think he will be a Gold Glove contender, which was, I guess, my way of saying above average. And then ten point six percent went with I'm concerned. Yeah, and Justin Morneau, I, I get to talk to him right before. Uh, the Dominican Republic trip, he was in for a week and was working with Miguel Sano and um, had a chance to kind of go over some of the finer points with him. And he liked where he was at and basically said, it's going to be up to Miguel how good he is at first base. And um, He's got the athleticism. We've seen what he looks like physically after these two years of work. Uh, if he can apply what he has done, uh, if he can apply it defensively into his defensive reps, the way he has worked out and gotten his body in shape, I think that around average is a, is a good possibility for him and maybe a little bit better. Morneau thought he can be pretty good. Um, we're talking about a guy that was at age 16, age 17, considered a shortstop. Obviously, he continued to grow, and now left tackle is more realistic of a position for him than anything. But... Um, uh, you know, he's just a massive human being and uh, a huge frame. Um, but I think that, you know, the biggest key will be the flexibility and getting down for balls that uh, to scoop. But I think that, you know, Morneau was, was pretty candid about it and thought that the possibility existed as long as Sano's working. So, but the 11% to be concerned, hey, yeah, I, I don't disagree. I mean, <laughs> this is a, this is a big proposition here. And, uh, It'll be a big development whenever he gets the chance to work it out. Uh, I, the fun ones uh, from this for me are we've done this with, with a couple other teams now. Uh, we've done it with dozens of teams overall on the athletic network, but uh, we've done it here locally with the Wild as well. Are the questions uh, about your favorite all-time and current players. Um, for the favorite all-time player, not much surprise that Kirby Puckett was a runaway Winner yeah. of that one with 37.5% of the vote. Number two, Joe Maurer at 19.6%. Then Torrey Hunter at 11.4%. And then we skip back to the early years, folks, with Rod Carew at 7.9% and Harmon Killebrew at 7.4%. Justin Morneau was four votes away from Harmon Killebrew, and Johan Santana was five votes away. I'm sure one of those was Aaron Gleeman. Uh, and, oh. and then... It, Eighth place was Kent Herbeck. He was a little a little ways back from those top seven. But Puckett, Mauer, Hunter, Carew, and Killebrew, the top five. Um, certainly a, a variety there in terms of uh, you know you've got you've got four Hall of Famers. I would say well, Joe Mauer's not a guaranteed Hall of Famer, I suppose. But um, three are already in, and uh, the other two may or may not be. But uh, clearly, you see a little bit maybe of recency bias uh, playing in there. But a good spread overall. Yeah, and I think last summer when we did it amongst our voters, Joe Maurer definitely will be a, a close guy on the Hall of Fame, but it was 
it's not surprising the names that are on this group. I mean, you look across it, and there's so many great players listed here in, in some form or another. I mean, like you mentioned, the three Hall of Famers and Joe Maurer, potentially a fourth. Torrey Hunter, I don't know if he makes the Hall of Fame, but, man, he was a dynamite player at his peak and was really one of the elite defenders. Uh, Johan Santana, two-time Cy Young. Ken Herbeck, a two-time um, World Series winner. And then you look at Justin Morneau and what he was doing uh, in the middle of his career right before the, uh, the first um, concussion and uh, the first major injury. I mean, talk about a, a solid group of players there. Now, the favorite current player, this one surprised me a little bit. And again, I'm falling victim to the uh, amount of haters online. But um, Byron Buxton, number one, 34.9%. Max Kepler really close behind at 32.6%. Then a, then a substantial drop off to Nelson Cruz, excuse me, Luis Rise, and Miguel Sano as the top five. Um, interesting. You could have gone a lot of ways with this list, I feel like, but... Um, Pretty pretty clear cut one and two in Buxton and Kepler. Yeah, and I think if Cruz had been around longer, he might be higher. Um, but Buxton, there's so much talent and promise there, and when he's on the field, he's electric. And Kepler had a monster season last year with the with the home runs and was able to step in in center field and play a good center field. Uh, Luis Arise, love that um, strong rookie debut, and I think. I think the head nod has everything to do with that when it's a uh, when it's a pitch off the plate. There's so much swagger for a 22 year old kid, and I think that's uh, plays into him getting 11 percent of the vote. So um, obviously Miguel Sano just mashes, so it's not surprising to see him in there either. Favorite all time manager Tom Kelly comfortably in first place. Ron Gardenhire comfortably in second place. Rocco Baldelli comfortably in third place. Maybe Baldelli a little bit of a surprise there, given that it was just one season. But um, anybody before Tom Kelly is probably too old for most of our readers to remember. And uh, and Paul Molitor uh, did not have the juice to get in there in the top three. Yeah, uh, recency bias there for Rocco. Uh, but Tom Kelly is a, a shoe-in. I mean, two World Series. And beyond that, his uh, legacy lived on well beyond when he retired. I mean, they still mention... TK all the time, um, and we're now in our third manager since him. So, uh, and that's been 15, 19 years since he uh, last managed. So, uh, pretty big impact. And obviously, Guardy's a, a fan favorite. And uh, so, pretty solid group of managers when you look at who they have had over the years. And love Billy Martin being here for a year. And it's, it's a pretty, uh, pretty fun group. We'll close with the questions that were more overall about the franchise and, and how you're feeling about things. We asked you on a scale of one to five, with one being very unsatisfied and five very satisfied. How satisfied are you with the direction of the franchise? And holy moly, Dan, it was uh, overwhelmingly uh, four and a half, probably. Uh, the fours and the fives pretty well split the vote. Uh, between the two of them, over 93%, if my math is correct here on the fly, of the votes were either for a four or a five. Uh, so like you said at the top, this is probably one of the biggest takeaways from <laughs> the uh, the poll is all the time you spend fighting with people on Twitter and in comments about um, things about the team. The vast majority of people seem to be uh, on a good on a good path with the Twins right now. 24 people 
out of 2,421 <laughs> don't like the, where the team is headed. <laughs> I think that's time to reevaluate uh, your level of satisfaction. You're basically saying win it all every year <clears throat> or you're not going to be happy. Um, yeah, it, it, I, I think uh, this – it says – I mean, look, it's, it's easy to pick it after they win 101 games and set the all-time home run record. Last year was very exciting. And if we did this headed into last year, it's probably significantly different. Yep. Um, but Or if we'd worded the question differently to look back more than look forward. But right yeah. now it's hard to say they're on anything but a good track. The farm system is in very good shape right now. There's a lot of prospects and prospect capital to improve the roster. You've been able to lock up. Miguel Sano, Max Kepler, Jorge Polanco, you have them around for a while. Um, you're, you're feeling pretty good about that, and, and you still have Barrios and Buxton and for three more seasons each. I mean, you're, they're in a really good spot right now, and it would be hard not to be optimistic about where this team is. When you look at it from – like, I ha- I've obviously covered this team for two years, and I know a little bit now. But I remember walking in the door here when uh, the Athletic hired me in, in January of 2018 and talking to people around the game about where the Twins were headed. And they were optimistic then. And that's before the 101 wins, before the Bomba squad, before the farm system continued to develop. It's, it's a really good place to be in. And the Twins have actually gotten better at internal development, I think, with the, with the current group that they have in running the, the front office. Um, there's a heavy emphasis on, on development and you know, it, it's, it's in a good spot right now where they are. We asked a similar question about how optimistic you are that Derek Falvey and Thad Levine can lead the twins to a world series. And that was a very similar result. 84.1% of you were either optimistic or very optimistic on that one. So not really a surprise that those two would go hand in hand. We also asked you, how would you grade the twins off season? And, uh, I'll, I'll call it a B plus overall. Sixty-two percent said B, thirty percent said A. I think that's kind of a, a blend of the enthusiasm you saw in the last question with some of the angst in the earlier questions about not getting a starting pitcher, but uh, still overall a favorable review of their off season. Although Dan thinks anybody who didn't vote it in A uh, is crazy. I I don't, you know, B plus we go on that, and that's not bad, honestly. If you give them a B plus. Maybe we, you can't break it down like that. It's too hard to do B plus, B minus, B, you know, all the letter grades like that. Uh, I'm just saying a, based, a on, based on the voting with, with 30% A and 60% B, you got to give them a B plus because 30% yeah. said A. Yeah. I mean, think about what they did. They, you know, they, they signed Odorizzi. They signed Pineda. You know, they go into the offseason with four openings in the rotation. That's a pretty big haul to fill. And they were like, oh, we're confident we can do this. And it's like. Yeah, maybe, maybe uh, you know, that's a lot of money to spend on premium positions. And, and I know the Twins wanted to get Zach Wheeler, and his money went astronomical, and people were disappointed. But they filled out the rotation. They got Rich Hill. They got uh, Sergio Romo back. They got uh, Bailey. They got uh, Clippard. You know, they filled out the rotation in the bullpen in, in all the right ways. And then they got Donaldson. Um and they extended Miguel Sano on a really nice team deal, the three years for $30 million. Um, I, I feel like the Twins had a fantastic offseason. And Donaldson, fortunately, 
they were able to bring him in, and that highlighted how good of an offseason it was. But even if they hadn't got him, they were having a, a solid B offseason. They really did a good job filling out the rotation with good pitchers, and it might not be the Garrett Coles and Zach Wheelers and Steven Strasburg, but um, they have a, a really good team going on. I mean, you have to think this is one of the best rosters headed into a season that they've ever had, probably top five or six all time, because they improved a 101-win team. We then asked you what must happen for you to be satisfied with the upcoming season, and, and this was just a, a delightfully um, Minnesota humble response. 75.4% said win a playoff series. Um, yes. Which was uh, the second most extreme of the four options. Only 10.8% of you said they would have to get to the World Series to um, to make you happy, and I can't tell exactly how many, maybe about, Three or four. Well, I guess I could do the math. Uh, about three percent said win the World Series. It would take, but uh, it makes sense. The team has uh, gone six straight division series plus a wild card game without um, winning any of those things. Uh, yeah, and uh, that would be a good incremental step, I would say, in twenty twenty. Well, it's like Major League One and then Major League Two. You know, make the playoffs, uh, win the pennant, <laughs> and then and then the next year you win the championship series and get right. to the World Series. You know, and uh, given that it's been since 2002 that they've won a playoff series, I think winning a playoff series is a realistic step. Uh, it's a realistic expectation, I should say. Get to the postseason. Don't just do it. Do something when you're there. And, and that, that is a, that's a, a pretty good year if you can pull that off. Um, anything more is, is uh, icing on the cake. And if they get to a World Series... Um, that's that's a pretty awesome year because only one team walks away happy every year. Only one team's final game is not a loss. So, um, and, the and the 2016 anyway. Cubs almost lost anyways, even though they won the World Series. So, <laughs> uh, so anything can happen. Last question was, how long do you think it'll take for the Twins to return to the World Series? I did not say win it, just return to. Uh, 48.7% of you said it will take one to two years. 10% said this is the year. So over f uh, 58% of you think it'll either be 2020, 21, or 22 that the uh, Twins get it done, which basically uh, I would say is certainly in line with the team's hopes, Dan. Uh, and the rest of you were looking a little further down the road. 30.4% said three to five years away, meaning uh, you're clearly hoping for the next wave of prospects to provide the boost that gets them over the hump. Hey, this could be the year if all the games are in Arizona and they don't have to play at Yankee Stadium or if all the games are in Arizona or, or played without fans. So they play at an empty Yankee Stadium. This could be the year right here. It might just take a global pandemic for the twins to end their Yankee curse. And honestly, it all counts. So uh, uh, how about that spin? Maybe I should write that. That would be something for the twins to end this long men's sports curse in Minnesota and no one is actually able to go to the game <laughs> to celebrate it. Um, but I think everybody here would take it and we would, uh, we, we'd look forward to the virtual parade afterwards, I'm sure. But um, that's all for the survey. Again, we skipped over some questions. So uh, if you're interested, go, well, if, if you're not interested, you're probably still not listening at this point. If you are interested, um, go check it out on, on our site right now. 
uh, and keep it, po- keep, uh, keep your eyes on our site. We've got some fun stuff, uh, planned from Dan ahead. He's got a great, I don't want to give it away, but he has a great, uh, retrospective look back at a big twins moment coming up next week. Uh, Aaron Gleeman continuing to do his, uh, series on, um, both best individual seasons by position in twins history and also his, uh, simulation of the 2020 season, which Dan has also been kind enough to participate in and, and rip Aaron to shreds every week as he tries to lead the fake twins to the pennant. Uh, and we're going to keep trying to come up with new things to keep you entertained. We appreciate your support. Dan, any final words? Um, yeah. Hey, I will be accepting crowdsourcing via Twitter for uh, ways to rip Aaron as long as we continue Ooh, doing that. So I like uh, it. If you want to, uh, if you want to give me some suggestions on how to rip Aaron on uh, his out of the park management, send him my way. Uh, Dan Hayes MLB on Twitter. I will definitely use some of the best. Sounds good. Thanks producer Adam for making it sound good. Thank you all for listening and we'll catch you next week. Mm-hmm.